It's the boys from Homestand Sports, and they're here to bring you Puck Talks Toronto. Your host, Zach Cook, brings you the latest to date news. Ovechkin is so underrated. He's arguably going to go down as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, not just this generation of all time. Well, Spencer Lucier breaks it down. If you want to go out there and you want to get a number one centerman, I wouldn't have gone and spent your top prospect on someone that's a fringe, fringe centerman, right? What a luminescent night for Austin Matthews. Incredible. Four goals. Good morning and welcome to Puck Talks Toronto. I'm your host, Zach Cook, alongside Spencer Lucier. And uh, it was deadline week this week. A lot of trades were made, a lot of impact ones, some surprising ones, whether it was the, the Paul Stastny deal or the Vander Kane one to San Jose. They seem to always be in the mix for those top-tier talents. But, Spencer, uh, a lot of action in the NHL. Uh, the Atlantic Division got a little stronger, so the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, might not be as happy as uh, they were a couple weeks ago. No, they, uh, they they thought they were jumping the the curve here and getting uh, Thomas Mechanics and making a move before all the rest of their competitors do. But then uh, it turns out their their deadline acquisitions uh, were a little bit more impactful. I mean, Rick Nash already has two goals and I think four points already with his new team in three games. So uh, he's doing well. And we haven't seen Ryan McDonough in, in Tampa yet, uh, but I'm sure he'll be a stud on the back end with uh, the rest of them. Well, you look at the... Let's start with the... Let's start with Buchanan. So you... Mike Babcock kind of said it out loud a few times, saying he wanted to upgrade his fourth-line center position. He wanted to have that distinct advantage over the Bruins and over the Lightning because at the end of the day, the playoffs, you're going to collide with either of those teams. You have to gonna go through both of them to get to the, the conference finals. So he wanted to have an upgrade over Cedric Paquette in Tampa Bay. He wanted to have one over Sean Corrali in Boston. So, And I think at the end of the day, he accomplished that with the addition of Thomas Buchanan. So it made a lot of sense there from from their perspective. Uh, center depth now is a, is a key to this Leafs team. It's one of the, the biggest assets that they have. I mean, down the middle, when if Matthews gets healthy, it's Matthews, Bozak, Kadri, and Buchanan now. And I mean, not a lot of teams can yeah. compete with that. So at the end of the day, that's a it's a great look for this Toronto Maple Leafs team to have right now. Uh, some concerns, though, that they didn't really address on the back end. I mean, they didn't get that top four defenseman that they were maybe looking for, but the the opposite side to that is we've seen the emergence of Travis Dermott lately. He's been a lot better than a lot of people were expecting, so to see him kind of improving his game, maybe that was a an addition on its own to the top four, which he's certainly uh, been capable of performing in that spot. I, I think I think the Dermott addition has been a, a, a bit of a jump towards their their top four pairing uh i'm not as shocked as you are uh that they didn't go out and get a defenseman considering the prices that the the defenseman the rental defensemen or even the with terms they wanted to give up a first round pick and i think for the leafs they don't want to mortgage a, a lot of their future or at least give away that first round pick uh just yet so i think it was it was a smart move i mean I, you could always say yeah go add more depth add more depth but you look at this Toronto Maple Leafs defense core, and a lot of the defensemen are depth defensemen. You have Polak, you have, uh, you know, th- those types of defensemen are, are already considered depth defensemen. So I don't know if you were to bring more guys in like those guys that would help this team going into the playoffs. But I- I'm I'm pretty, uh, I'm not as shocked as you are that they, they stay stand pat in terms of defensemen. 
Then on the, the Montreal side of things in that D, I mean, Montreal's probably pretty happy that they landed a second-round pick for Pacanitz. I mean, then you have two kind of lottery tickets in, in Valiev and, and Reichel. So, I mean, Valiev, a lot of people are saying, specifically Bob McKenzie, that he's he's close to cracking the NHL. He's yeah. he's close to getting in there as a 5-6 as a defenseman. I mean, if you're taking a flyer on a guy like that, there's really no harm in that, right? So, I mean, the Leafs had the depth to be able to make a move like that and not really see an impact. I mean, uh, Valiev wasn't the next guy up yeah. in Toronto, so it, it made a lot of sense from their perspective. Uh, not really a, a lot else going on in Toronto at the deadline, but, I mean, Montreal was somewhat active. They dealt uh, Joe Morrow to, to Winnipeg. They made a deal with... What else did they do? They, they got Mike Riley from they Minnesota. Got Mike, I kind of like that move, though. I mean, he's not the greatest in, his def- in the defensive zone, but... The way the NHL is trending, I mean, he can move the puck, he can skate. It's just whether that really that hockey IQ tends to be there. I mean, that's a. I was impressed in his first game against the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, the Islanders. I don't know why I was. Yeah, he had that, he had but. he had forty two points in like thirty five games or something in college too. When he was when he was he, he when he he was one of those college guys that uh, towards the end of the season his season was over and and he was available for a free agent signing and Minnesota jumped on that and signed him when they were making a playoff run. Uh, but the the big thing coming out of school from him was, yeah, he was a, the offensive defenseman. Uh, he can move the puck real well and skate real well. Uh, so, I, yeah, exactly. For for the Montreal Canadiens defense score that lacks that type of uh, defenseman, so why not have a flyer on someone that has that much upside for it, in a guy like Riley? I mean, before we move on, I'll mention one more thing about the Canadiens. I mean, I was a little disappointed that Mark Bergevin didn't use the... the their cap space to, as the asset that it was. Yeah. I mean, it was, at the end of the day, it was their biggest asset at the trading deadline was that that $8 million in cap space that they had to be able to, whether it's take on a contract for a season and and get an asset in, in regards to that or just trade away more assets from the Blue And I mean, guys like David Schlemko hasn't exactly been the guy we thought he was going to be in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. And same with uh, Jordy Ben's been a different guy this season. But you'd think a team might be able to take a flyer on him, whether it's even if it's just a fifth-round pick, you're, yeah. you're getting something in return for these guys that that you don't necessarily had before, right? Especially with that being the trend at this trade deadline as well, right? We saw a lot of the contracts being shaved for, you know, cap purposes, or we saw, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights jump in on that Broussard deal to to use that cap space as, like you said, as an asset to get that deal done or or to get even a... a, a pick in, the, in that deal. So, yeah, I was kind of shocked too. I don't know if Mark Burt... Like, Everyone says he's fine. Jeff Molson said, "Yeah, he's fine. He's just gonna work out of this." But I don't know how sure he, like, confident he could have been going into that deadline, saying, "I'm safe with my job if I only make, if I get rid of this guy, uh, if I get rid of Morrow and I pick up Riley, my job is safe." I don't know how he can he could have gone into that deadline like that. So, but at the same time, like you have the guys like Max Pacioretty, you don't you didn't have no. to move them, no, and no, it's no, no. smart to. To, to keep them if you don't get the offer that you want. I mean, Elliot Friedman had a really good piece in his 31 thoughts about just the kind of asking price that the Canadians had for him. And it made a lot of sense whether it was in LA, they were asking for Toffoli and, and Velarde. I mean, and plus. So like that kind of shows that they value him as highly as we kind of value him. So that's at least, it's it's a positive, right? Instead of them yeah, just thinking that the they, ver- they wanted to get him out and kind of change the culture and just get him out of there. But that wasn't exactly the case. The Chicago Blackhawks, they were sellers for the first time in a very yeah. long time. They uh, dealt Ryan Hartman to the Nashville Predators, who are, in my opinion, still the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they Me made too. some great additions. And then just yesterday it was announced that it looks like Tolvin is going to come over after the, the playoffs are done there. So 
Uh, that that adds another sniper to the yeah. lineup, and the depth is there. I mean, Mike Fisher is going to be in addition to the lineup as well. So once again, the center depth is is there in Nashville too. So that's and, a, that's going to be a great team to to watch. Yeah, and that that was their biggest thing going into the playoffs last year was that they didn't have anyone down the middle. And then when uh, Johansson got hurt in the playoffs, then that just made that that weakness a, a lot bigger, right? So. For them to get themselves set up in in a position like this now is a is a good job with uh, Johansson and Turris as their one two. What do you think of the Hartman deal though? I mean, I a first round. I mean, I get that he's still young, but he wasn't exactly doing it for me in a Blackhawks uniform. I have a few Blackhawks fans that weren't exactly happy with him, and they were kind of just happy to see him, him go. But at the end of the day, he's still a very young player, right? So it's it's one of those situations where you're you're kind of giving him up, but. Around the same, they'll probably get around the same pick that they they picked him as anyway. So yeah, I, it's kind of one of those restarts. I did, yeah, I didn't mind them because, like you said, yeah, he was a later first round pick, and Nashville is hoping that their first round pick is you know and and towards the the bottom five. And for me, I didn't mind the deal. It, it seems a little crazy on paper seeing Hartman going for a first round pick, among others, obviously, but. I think he's a way better fit in Nashville than he would have been in Chicago. I think for him to go in there and be in that bottom six, he's the type of guy Peter Laviolette loves there. Last year, they he really leaned on Cody McLeod in the playoffs to to be that guy that brought that extra jam, uh, you know, that that ruggedness to the lineup. And I think Ryan Hartman is a younger guy, but will uh, slide right into that role and, and do well. So I think You're the game winner in his first game exactly, too. I mean, that doesn't that hurt, too. right? So uh, I I mean, I didn't mind the deal at all when uh, when I. You, you take away, uh, you take a step back from the deal. So the first breaking trade of the day that really kind of stunned some people was the, the Jets acquiring Paul Stastny from the St. Louis Blues for a conditional first, conditional fourth, and Eric Foley. I mean, I, I kind of, I was talking about this the other day, and I kind of see it from both perspectives here. The Blues have been on the cusp for a while. Now they've been kind of in the mix for the playoffs, whether it's been five or six seasons in a row now, and then... But they've never been able to get over that hump and get into the Stanley Cup final, which is kind of what the ultimate goal is, right, to, to make that appearance. But they've never been able to do that. And it just kind of, it, it's confusing. But then you have Braden Shen come out right after and say, like, we're one point out of a playoff spot. Like, what the hell, basically? So, I mean, I see both sides. that the, This is a lot in return for Stasny because, I mean, you're getting that first-round pick. You're getting a few, other, a few other assets as well in that deal. And, I mean, to see Winnipeg gain even more center depth that is going to be that is going to be a force in the west i mean watching the jets play the predators the other night that was just one of the best games of the season and to see that for a seven game series potentially coming from the central division would be just absolutely insane yeah i i I like the move that winnipeg did here i think they realized that they've been going head to head with nashville all season for that top spot in the central division and i think they they saw the the move that nashville made and they had to make a corresponding move and, and get a guy like paul sasney and Winnipeg is has something similar going on that Toronto has and it and I mean that by almost three or two third lines in their in their bottom six the way that they can roll out and, and have that offensive third line where it's Stasny, Line A and, and Ehlers and then they have that defensive shutdown fourth line that's still almost as good as a third line in in, in Cop Armia uh, and and Lowry when he comes back and, and the same thing goes for the Leafs now with the addition of Placanics being that se- that defensive center in that fourth spot so I like what Winnipeg did here by getting Stasny uh, for for St Louis you 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 lost six straight heading into the deadline you knew changes were coming Doug Armstrong was not shy about it he said that that you know, going into this deadline, that's how he's going to determine his team. And, you know, if you lose six straight, obviously, you know, you got to start start fresh again. Um, so 
I, I don't mind. Like, the return was good for St. Louis. I mean, that Foley kid is a big guy. He has a wicked shot as well. Um, but I'm sure the first-round pick is uh, definitely the, the big uh, reason why that deal was done. And then we'll head to San Jose now where they made a big splash as well, adding the Vander Kane to the mix. I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the tweet about that, but uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton picked him up from the airport. Like that is just, that shows the leadership that's going on in San Jose. That's obviously a good thing. They're making a push in that Pacific division, but they traded away Danny Regan, uh, former teammate of Jack Eichel from the U. And Evan and Rodriguez. As well, uh, conditional first, conditional fourth for Evander Kane. I mean, they're probably, it looks like Kane will likely test free agency after this and see see what happens with that so it, it'll probably turn into a second round pick but still you have to like what san jose did here i mean i thought this was one of the the more under the radar moves of the day they're acquiring a guy that's a uh, already at 40 the 40 point mark and he was doing that in buffalo this is a guy that can do a lot of good things the only question mark about him is the the off-ice issues and i mean if you have a good leadership in place which they do in san jose that shouldn't be a big issue uh, yeah they've got Quite a bit of characters in that locker room too when you talk about brett burns joe thornton their their crazy beards going on and uh I, I don't know i think yeah that does that shows joe thornton going to the airport shows kind of we want to welcome him so that he's not a nuisance for us right because obviously that was a thing we knew the skill was there for evander kane but we just didn't know how he's going to react to a locker room especially for a team that's going into a playoff push you don't want any you know shit disturbers coming in and for for joe thornton to go pick him up like that probably gave him a the law of the land there on the the drive back to the the shark tank, but I I don't know I, I like you I thought it was a pretty good underrated move too. The guy can go and has a better center court than he did in uh in uh, Buffalo uh, that could help him uh, get the puck in the net. So well, I, I mean they needed they needed if you look at San Jose's roster they needed more help on the wing, wing. than they did down the middle yep. right. They had they have the top six centers that they wanted in Pavelski and Thornton. But then on the wing, it's a little uh, a little lackluster. Yeah, so. Other than Couture, they they've been kind of mixing in. Like Hurdle's been kind of whether it's down like Melker, and, Melker. Yeah. Why is that name so Melker hard to Carlson. say? Melker, Melker Carlson. Why is that such a? I mean, I guess I was doing my lagas this morning, yeah, but so. still. Anyways, we'll move on to the the Vancouver Canucks actually dealing away an asset for once at the deadline. They dealt Thomas Vanek to the Columbus Blue Jackets for UC Jokinen and Tyler Mott. I mean. I figured they would be wanting draft picks, but I mean, if you can get an asset for someone that's uh, pending UFA, you kind of just do it. Vanek obviously hasn't, he's had a good season this year, but he hasn't helped his value in past playoffs doing what he's done, whether it's in Montreal where he just completely shit the bed or it's in other places. Florida, like, hey, 10, Florida, yeah, 10 you're points right, yeah. in 20 games for when he, he was picked up last year. So uh, I think that that had a lot to do with it because I'm pretty sure this deal was right until the end, close to the, the 3 p.m. deadline as well. And, I think that was going to be an unsuccessful trade deadline in Vancouver if they didn't sh- ship off Vanek, who who's... him and Torres going head to head. Yeah, oh my god! So <laughs> that's uh, something to keep an eye yeah, on. Exactly. That'll I want to see fun. that mic'd up. That'd be just absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that'd be absolutely hilarious. Like <laughs> back so, check. No, I'm 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 all right, and just screams at him. But okay, the Vegas Golden Knights acquired Thomas Tatar from the Red. Red. Why am I having trouble just saying words this morning? I I don't know what it is. Like I I just clearly have not been enunciating anything. But for a first round, second, and third round pick, first is in 2018, seconds in 2019, thirds in 2021. That's a a little far off. But um, I thought it was a lot to give up. Yeah, I thought that's a steep price. I, but I'm also impressed that Vegas is actually buying in a year that no one really expected them to do anything but sell. Right. Yeah, so who knows with with this because Tatar has he's a four time twenty goal scorer, so he, yeah. he he knows how to put the puck in the net. 
it's just a matter of if he's going to be kind of like how the the rest of the Vegas team has come over. You know, they just need a kind of a scenery change, and and then he'd go and and light it up. So who knows? But I don't know. I think uh, you know Ken Holland going into this trade deadline was his job was uncertain for after this year, and I think with the, this haul that he got for Tatar, I think he kind of saved his job here a little bit with uh, like I said that haul. That's a first, a second, and a third for a guy who was. You know, really didn't have his spot on the Red Wings. He could put the puck in the net, but he he just didn't seem like he was going to be part of that future that they're building towards. So uh, I didn't mind the, the the return, obviously for Detroit, but uh, who knows what Thomas Tatar we're going to see in Vegas. Okay, before we break down the biggest deal of the day, let's head to Edmonton for a little check in with uh, Peter Torelli. Uh, dealt Patty Maroon to the New Jersey Devils for a third round pick in 2019 and a prospect. I mean, I felt like the the value was a little uh, under under the table in that sense where he didn't exactly get the return they planned for. I mean, you heard rumors out of Edmonton before, like the asking price was originally like a first-round pick. I mean, shoot for the stars, right? But it didn't end up that way. He didn't exactly get a ton of value for the, the pending free agent. But as soon as Patty Maroon addressed the media after, it seemed like he, he already was booking his ticket back to Edmonton after the season. He wanted to, to re-sign. I mean, I, I don't blame him. I want to play with Connor McDavid too, but... I guess uh, it seems that they didn't exactly get the return they were they were looking he, for. Yeah, I think a standalone value is uh, is what they got, and, and if you look at him playing alongside Connor McDavid, obviously that boosts your value regardless, right? So I, I think it was a smart move for for Shirelli to to get rid of it. Like like I said, for the, all these teams that were selling, I think it became successful that they were able to sell off their UFAs, and and that was towards the end of the deadline too. And I think Shirelli felt a bit of a pinch to try and get him out of here, uh, just to kind of show their fan base that what direction they were going into heading into the off season. Uh, but I mean, what New Jersey has done by getting Maroon and Grabner. I really like that, especially with them still fighting for that final playoff spot there or in that wild card mix. But they they addressed their left side, which was really shot, uh, and and they and they did a good job by getting some speed and some toughness with both Grabner and uh, Maroon. Okay, the last big deal of the day. It's time. It's time to break it down. I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. acquired Ryan McDonough and JT Miller from the Rangers for a first round pick this season. A conditional second round pick in 2019. I believe that condition can it can become a first if they win the cup. So if they win the cup, or they it's isn't it if they win the cup and then one of the next two years or something like that. I believe yeah, the condition when, is. when he has yeah. term. Uh, Vlad Nemestikov, Libor Hayek, and Brett Howden in the deal. I mean, that's a it's a nice haul. For, I, okay, I'm gonna start by breaking it down yes. like this. It's a nice trade for both teams because the Rangers start their fast track towards their rebuild. It's what they wanted. They get some nice pieces. Uh, Tampa Bay obviously didn't want to part with... Uh, what's his name? Why am I drawing a blank Point. right now? Sorry? Point. They didn't want to part with players off their roster, but I'm thinking of their their top five prospects. There was one that just stood out to me. They didn't want to part with him. He's in the WHL, but I, it's, Sorry, the name's escaping. <laughs> the name's just escaping me right now. I'll figure it out later and I'll... I'll, I'll tweet it out. But, but see, I don't know. They did give up some pretty decent prospects, though. It right? was like, arguably... I looked at their depth chart. It was arguably their third and fourth best prospects. They kept their one and two. If you look at the the rankings. I mean, if if I had internet aspects right now, I'd probably search it. But, I mean, I do have internet. I don't know why I'm saying I do. But you just talk for a sec. Yeah, okay. So, uh, here here's my initial thoughts on this deal. So, when I saw this deal go down, I, obviously, Tampa needed to... You know, they wanted to address the blue line. And Ryan McDonough was obviously the highly coveted player to go get at this deadline what i don't understand though is the fact that they've in, they included jt miller and and vlad Nemestikov in this deal and i think both guys are rfas at the end of the year and 
for me, especially, it, it kind of sends more of a message to Tampa Bay than it does for New York. And Vlad Nemesikov was on the same line as Stamkos and Kucherov. He's having a career year. I get it. He's going into a restricted free agency, just same like JT Miller. But I don't know how Steve Eisman could have been able to sell that to Stamkos and Kucherov and say, listen, we're going to sell this guy that you've gained all this chemistry with all season. We're going to ship him out of here and obviously improve our back end. Being the teammates that they are, I'm sure they were, were fine with it, but t- from a fan's perspective or taking a step back away from that deal, it's kind of a head-scratcher when you see the two RFAs included in this deal. Calfoot. Yeah, Calfoot. That's the that's <laughs> their uh, the top guy I was thinking of. But, I mean, they also have Taylor Radish. We've seen him make an impact for Canada at the World Junior Tournament. But, I mean, the, that's one of those... It, it seems like it's it's a good hockey deal, though. Like, you... you you get players that they were looking for on the Rangers side. They didn't need more offensive talent, but I, it felt like to me that JT Miller was kind of just a throw-in because they didn't want to take a player off their roster. That's why they were hesitant to give up Nemestikov, and then they gave up Nemestikov to get a roster player back. I don't know why that JT Miller was on the block in New York. I felt like he could have been a part of that rebuild, but they gave him up anyways, and Nemestikov went the other way in the in the deal. So there's there's parts of that that make sense from both sides, but if you're Tampa Bay, it's a home run for me. It's an absolute home run. Yeah, I, I, I see. I don't know if it is a home run though, because like I think, yeah, they have enough prospects that m- might be able to kind of void the the Nemestikov loss. But I just think, why couldn't they just done it with the prospects and McDonough? Why do you have to include the the, the RFAs and and have that potential of ruining the chemistry going into the well, playoffs? I think right? I think it's because the Nemestikov's obviously having a career year this year, and they're not sure what he's going to get in his RFA contract. So oh, you might if it becomes for more. If, it, if it becomes expensive, then they're already yeah. in a cap struggle. It becomes difficult to to manage all those assets. So and you're bringing in cap obviously with McDonough and Miller. So it's it's an interesting situation. I mean, it's a I I just I really feel like it's a good hockey deal from both sides. Uh, the Rangers get some pieces in the, to start their rebuild. They're gonna have a likely a top ten pick in this draft, and the Lightning get those those two pieces, which in my opinion it puts them as the the favorite in the Atlantic Division and probably all of the Eastern Conference. I've been saying for a while, I think it's going to be a Lightning Predator Stanley Cup final, and both teams made solid additions at the trading deadline to be able to to say that. I'm I'm very comfortable saying that. Yeah, I I think I'm leaning towards those two as well. Uh, I just I think what Nashville has done, they've continued to get better than they got significantly better than last year's Stanley Cup playoff run is what I want to say, especially if they get Tolvin in back who. It was a stud in the juniors, and then in the Olympics, he... That's going to be know, insane, whatever. though, if you, they add him to the top nine. like that's... So, so, yeah, and then the same thing with, with Tampa Bay, too. I mean, we, we see their, their forwards. We see how fast that they are. And then you you address the biggest thing that was needed, and that, that was on defense. And now you have legit three stud defensemen that... Whatever. And then the fun fact, too, of that is three of the six defensemen were the from the New York Rangers Cup run from a couple of years ago as well. So... Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards that too. Nashville, uh, Tampa Bay as my Stanley Cup picks. Well, I mean, we broke down the trade deadline. I feel like we should welcome Haley into the booth. I mean, yeah. like, I, I mean, like she's been this really patient, uh, antsy to to weigh well, like, in she's, on her on the moves. She's probably the highlight of the show. I mean, we'll probably see our one viewer go up to like three now that we have Haley in the booth with us. So that's a sorry. Yeah, we should. Oh, it's seven. I mean, that's a, I, I wasn't really paying attention. I just kind of saw that it was in single digits, so I assumed it was one. How can you read that far? I, it's the glasses, man. I don't know why that makes sense, but it does, I guess. Regardless, uh, welcome, Haley. Well, thank you. 
All right. So the one guy you guys have not talked about. Yikes. Eric Carlson. That's a great point. Oh, How yeah. did you talk trade and not talk Eric Carlson? Because we knew that you were in your <laughs> head and we knew that was going to be your... You always get lead. mad at us. Yeah, you always get mad at the topics. my topics. We need to talk more. Okay. Come opening day of the 2018-2019 season is Eric Carlson, an Ottawa senator. Can I give a percentage? Sure. I say I say 70% no. I'm leaning towards no right now. I mean, it just it it doesn't make sense the way their organization's heading right now. Melnick is too cheap to give out a a huge contract like that. And I just I don't if they can find a way to get Bobby Ryan in a deal with Carlson, I think that I think they're both gone. Yeah, I don't see him. I I think he, I think he's had it up to to tomorrow for uh, all his uh all the stuff that that Sens organization has put him through. I mean, I think he still has a little bit of a bitter taste uh, from last Stanley Cup playoff, where you know he has the bone spurs in his heel or whatever the how da- you know serious. Now he's that. just got somebody else's ankle. Yeah, basically. So <laughs> I, I think I think he he's kind of bitter about that. And then obviously with the team not doing so well, it kind of puts a sour taste in everyone's mouth. So I I don't think he's there next next year just because. Like Zach said, I think Melnick's too cheap to offer a big contract that will keep him here, and I think he just is had it uh, in in Ottawa. I think he'll offer him something to save face, but he won't. It won't be something that Carlson will be like. I, I have to accept. It. That's what I mean. It'll be like it, it'll be something that it's it's almost fair, but it's not in the ballpark of exactly what he's looking for. I mean, as a UFA, he's going to get a lot yeah. of money. Like some, some team, probably Edmonton, is going to pay a lot of money for him. So I mean. <laughs> We'll see what we'll see well, what happens. You would think he has to go over the nine million dollar Subban's making, right? Oh, absolutely. You would, have he to have he's gonna get so. just with the cap increase. I mean, it's not even just that he's a he's a better defenseman. They're both in the same echelon. I mean, Carlson's better right now, but I mean, you you just have to you have to think with the the cap escalating and other things happening that he'll probably get eleven or twelve. I would think. Same with John Tavares. I mean, he's gonna. I, I tweeted from the account the other day. Like, what do you think John Tavares is gonna get if he does decide to go to market and? A lot of people were saying they agreed with me. I, I kind of set it at $12 million at the even bar, and it, it, I could see him getting upwards of that if a team like Montreal does have the... The, still go, the chatter is still loud it's in there, Montreal. Man, I'm telling you, it's there. And I just think it's there There's because the cap, space, the cap space is there. That's the biggest thing, right? If if he does test market, Montreal is going to offer him something ridiculous, and I, I wouldn't blame... That was good, Radulov, and Markov didn't sign then. That's... Okay. This is actually a new theory that I'm coming up with right now on the <laughs> on, on the, the spot. On the spot. So, Zach Cook. so with in regards to Tavares and Bergevin, so obviously we've been advocating for Bergevin to to be let go of management. But what kind of unrestricted free agent wants to go into a a market where management is unstable right now? Who wants to go into a place where you're not sure who you're going to be dealing with in regards to that? I mean, Molson's a smart businessman. Let's be honest. I mean, he's. I mean, his beer is not the greatest, but like he's a he's a smart businessman. So, if you look at it from that perspective, you have to think that maybe like Bergevin's there as like I don't I don't want to say a puppet, but like he's there because you need to have stable management in order to lure big unrestricted free agents, and it's already difficult enough in Montreal with the taxes that they deal with and just coming into the circus that is the city with the media and everything. So, I mean, it's just a theory. It's just a theory that that's putting out there but you have a you have a comment that i'm i'm thinking is referring to this somebody just said watch out for san jose uh, yeah. i mean a lot well they made a big run at they made a big run at stamco's last offseason right when he was a when he was a ufa and uh he was in the i i don't want to say final three but i know he was in there with toronto tampa bay and san jose so that's uh they have the i know montreal made an offer as well they have a ton of cap space so 
And, and I'm pretty sure isn't Thornton in a final year? Or he is a they, UFA so as well. You don't always season. need to sign him either, right? So, so yeah, San Jose is. Uh, I don't know if they can part with. Around. I don't know if they can part with Marlowe and dead then dead. Thornton in two seasons in a row. I don't know if that can happen. Dead dead. But I mean, glad we have comments. That's a. I mean, it's something. I got a comment. Something. All right. Uh, yeah. You you guys did talk about Paul Stasny, but don't what, get mad at us. No, it's okay. <laughs> you didn't talk about my topic. Okay. What does having a quote-unquote bona fide NHL star waive his ironclad no trade con no trade clause mean to the city of Winnipeg a city that has dealt with free agents not wanting to come here San Jose Sharks speaking of them saying it's the worst city to play in in the NHL what is having a guy like that willing to leave I, for that team mean I think it kind of just shed some light into where where they're at as a franchise right now I think the first couple of years they they weren't you know they, they didn't have the same luck as Vegas had obviously they they had a franchise move there instead of the the free picks right so they struggled off right out of the bat uh, and I finally think they're hitting their stride all their prospects are now developing into you know core players now Shifley has taken bigger steps uh, line A, same thing, keeps scoring 30 goals. And I think Blake Wheeler is the, the guy that has really taken this Jets team to this next level this year. The way he's been playing uh, is very underrated compared to what other people uh, talk about him uh, outside of Winnipeg. So I, I think it just kind of sheds some light to where that they're, they're at as an organization. Now that they're ready to take on steps and, and challenge for that Stanley Cup, that players see that other NHLers see that and say, yeah, Winnipeg's the spot where they have a serious shot at getting this cup. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. It's just they built that status this season as a contender. And I think the issue was last year they had the roster to be a contender. They just didn't have the goal. Yeah. And we've seen the emergence of Connor Hellebuck this year. And he's finally, he's in the Vesna conversation. I mean, I don't think he's going to win it, but he's in the conversation, which speaks volumes about where they're at as a franchise. I mean, you, they arguably have the deepest top nine in the National Hockey League. So that's something to yeah. to watch for as the as the playoffs come but I like we talked about earlier I, I just really want that Predators Jets uh uh that, I think that would just be yeah. I think that would be just unreal yeah that was a lot so. of fun to watch but yeah I just think it speaks to to where they're headed as an organization and they finally put pieces in a place with whether it's Kevin Shevel day off making some actually good moves and this is a uh, I mean we used to see for a while that he wouldn't make any moves at Nothing. all but he's finally He's finally made the the right moves here, and uh, it's starting to pay off. Yeah, he's made like something like twenty deals since mm-hmm. being the yeah. Jets GM. Twenty. That's insane. Okay, next question. Not really trade related, but in honor of Taylor Hall scoring his twenty third straight point, does Taylor Hall deserve the Hart Trophy? Uh, I think we should have to. You know, I'm going to phone a friend. I'm going to phone Peter Trelli and ask him how he feels about him uh, wow. being in the mix for the Hart Trophy. You know what's I mean? worse? You know what's worse? <laughs> One of Taylor Hall's points came from a goal from Patrick Maroon. Ooh. That's the universe literally trolling Oilers fans. <laughs> That's a tough one to swallow. But, I mean, I, I think he's in the conversation. But right now, I'm probably giving it to Nathan McKinnon. That's just me. But I, I just think he's done, he's done too many good things there. And Colorado's not a contending yeah. team. And somehow, they're in the but mix in the Western Conference. But neither New Jersey. I, no, I completely agree Anything with that. Anything you say with that. But I also, think, I also think Nico Heischer has helped out a lot in New Jersey. Whereas... In Colorado, you have a guy like uh, Sam Gerard getting dealt there. He's uh, making impact on the back end, and you still have whether it's Rant- Rantanen has been a Rantanen's nice, been a really he's been nice, nice player, but yeah. I think McKinnon really helps his play. Absolutely, and I think Rantanen is kind of a, a subject of how McKinnon distributes a puck a lot. Uh, he was on pace for like a hundred points if he didn't get injured, and that's just that's astounding. Uh, so I yeah, I think it's 
it's a nice stretch. Yeah, what he's doing. I just think there's a lot other players that uh, that have played a more consistent season all all year and and deserve it. Um, I think he's know, in the Kucherov. top ten. He'll be in the top he, ten be, in voting, he, but be, I I just think it's uh, I think it's uh, yeah he'll get some votes. I just don't think he deserves to. At the end of the day, walk up there and receive the the trophy. I think you know. But if they can, I mean, it's a regular season award. But if he can get them like comfortably well, if, into the playoffs, then they, if they he goes the rest well. of the way. I, like I mean, if they can would, move up to whether it's a top three spot in that metropolitan division. I mean, all bets tough. are off the table. But Colorado's just been really impressive, and I think it roots down to the success that McKinnon's had this year. Okay, well, let's go farther. Is Taylor Hall the best left winger in the game right now? Oh, wow. Because I'm gonna go with yes. Right now, eh? He's got- no, I I gotta still I gotta say Ovechkin still. I think Ovechkin still is the the best the premier left winger in the NHL right now. I think yeah, I'm on he he age. he's putting up his same you know I mean he hasn't tailed off, uh, dropped off at, at any point throughout the season. Um, I I mean yeah we acknowledge Hall is you know tearing it up. It, it's good, but I think. He Ovechkin still claims as the best left winger. Yeah, I have no issue calling right him the top now, three left winger though. Yeah, because right the, right now Ovechkin still like there has been no drop off in his game still. He's still that, putting the puck in the net. He's still he's still Washington is still first place. No, I guess yeah, it is. It's tough, but I still think Ovechkin. He hasn't not scored since December. 20, yeah, yeah, twenty every every game in twenty eighteen he has a point. Uh, I just think to to still be considered the best. And and best left winger, you have to lose that at some point, and Ovechkin hasn't done anything to lose. That I think spot. he's also really improved his two way game. He's playing a lot more of a, a complete game, and that's uh, that's what they've wanted him to do in Washington for a long time. So I, I I'll put I'll put Taylor Hall in the top three in left wingers in the National Hockey League, but I'm not ready to say Ovechkin's lost that title yeah. yet. Well, not not I don't want to say all season, but right now I'm going with the, he's taken a team that yeah. has been a joke for years. Yeah, that has focused on defense for you know since I can remember them. Right, they haven't, like, had, a, they haven't had a star player in a long time, and to have a guy have like two. Taylor Hall, yeah, I like Heisher a lot. I think down the middle, he's just going to be such. He's such an intelligent hockey player that just uh, like Taylor, makes a lot of good decisions. Taylor Hall looks like he's playing junior hockey. Like it's not even a, it's not even fair. When Shout he's out on Windsor the ice right now. Sorry, <laughs> Windsor. Big fan of him when he was in the, with the Spitz. But uh, is that that is that is my final question because you you kind of took my Braden Shen question. Yeah, I see. See, I don't even remember talking about Braden Shen. Oh, the yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got you. Question per episode you, you talk mm. about naturally. I mean, I, I guess it could be worse, right? But thanks again to to Haley Ferguson for stepping in with some always good opinions. But uh, Spencer keeps keeps us thinking, keeps at, us on the ball, right? I mean, she always comes. I love that we don't we don't talk about it before, so it kind of just like. Best left winger in the game. I'm like listing left wingers in my head. I'm like, is there is there is, uh, she, yeah, is like, she right? Like is she wrong? Like I, I'm trying to. Like, I just remember Ovechkin. He he goes <laughs> on the opposite way, right? He likes to cut in and shoot. So I'm like, okay, he's a right hand. Oh, he's on the left. Wing. No, it's it's Ovechkin. Remember the All Star game debate when he was listed as a left winger yeah. and a right winger? But uh, <laughs> let's end this on this topic here. Let's let's finish it off with the uh, Austin Matthews not healthy right now. I do do you rest him a little down the stretch? Same with Frederick Anderson. Do you rest Anderson down the stretch? What do you if Matthews gets healthy? Like do you, you're not rushing him back into the lineup until he's 100. percent I don't think uh, the way that the standings are shaken up right now. I think they're they're only the Leafs are only three or four points out from Boston. And Boston has like 30 games in I, hand I, I on everybody in the league. I don't the know game. why they have 30 games in hand. But I they understand do. the games in hand, but yeah. I I just think if you're still within striking distance to to try and get that home ice advantage in that second seed, I think you don't rest any of those guys. Uh, I, I I still think you gun for it. But if you're if you're locked in into that third spot and you realize you're not going up, 
then why not take t- give your guys a you know a couple? They have the pieces now too. I mean, Placanix comes in that helps that third uh, helps give those centers a night off here or there. Uh, and you know, McElhaney's been fine, and they have those two kids in uh, in the Marlies, uh, Picard and and Sparks, that are killing it down there too. So they have the pieces that can you know for a game or two for a spot start or to you know give someone a night off. But I think if you're still within striking distance for that second spot, you don't. You don't break. Uh, you don't give any guys time off. You know what sucks though for Matthews? Like he's not going to be able to go outdoors in Annapolis this weekend yeah. uh, against the against the Capitals. And we saw him have the heroics last year against the Red Wings in that outdoor game. So it must uh, must not be the greatest feeling that he's not going to be able to to join his teammates outside. But I mean, I'll I'll end it on this note. Matthews is so important to this team. He needs to be 100% before he gets into the lineup. And if I'm the Leafs, I'm giving Mako any more starts down the stretch. But, I mean, that's all we have for you today. This was Puck Talks Toronto, the first edition that is live on Twitter. You can catch the live stream anytime now. We're going to try to go live each episode. But for Spencer Lucier, Haley Ferguson, I'm Zach Cook, and we're out. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM.